Ken Show with Ken Kidney. Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to the Weekend Show. My name is Ken Kidney, and I have the great pleasure of being joined by my distinguished co-host, Garrett. Say hello to the listeners, Garrett. Rest in peace, listeners. We'll explain that later. This week is the 20th regular episode of the podcast. Can you believe it, Garrett? 20 episodes old already? Plus two weekend shows. So One like, weekend show, which was an hour long, which is the, the aimed length of this podcast every week anyway. Yeah, well, moving on. <laughs> we are traveling back in time 20 years to 1995 to see what pop culture gems we can find. You will also hear our net picks as always. And coming up a little later on, we preview the WWE's fall classic Survivor Series 2015, which takes place on Sunday. An action-packed show in store, but before we hop into our DeLorean and go back in time, Gar, my brother, how was your week? We both we both had similar weeks. Yeah, we did. We actually spent a lot of time together this week. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> on Tuesday, Tuesday night, we went to see Steve Jobs. Yes, the, the highly touted film starring Michael Fassbender and Kate Winslet. Uh, Michael Fassbender, of course, playing the late Steve Jobs. Was that Kate Winslet? What? What? How did you not know that? I don't know female actors. <laughs> okay, we need to shut down the podcast right now. Yeah. Nobody else is going to listen. All our female listenership is gone. I clearly done my research. <laughs> it's like, is that Kate Winslet? Also starring uh, Seth Rogen as Steve Wozniak. Yeah, doing uh, serious acting. And written by Aaron Sorkin. Directed by Danny Boyle. That's much all you need to know about that. Goodbye. Yeah. And we also went to see the Imagine Dragons in the Three Arena on uh, Wednesday night. So we've had a we've had an action-packed week, which is makes a change because some weeks it's just like oh, did nothing. Yeah, I just sat I just sat around, watched some TV. Uh, we'll, we'll talk so, first about Steve Jobs. Um, a lot has been said about this. Some say that uh, it's it was a bit disappointing financially, but you know who cares. Who cares? It's not, we're not the people that finance it. I don't care how much money it made. Yeah. And as we all know, uh, the best way to win an Oscar is to make no money. Yeah. So, Commercial success does not equal Oscars. Uh, the interesting thing about this film, I thought, is that it's actually framed or it's written in the form of, of a, a three act play on film. Yeah. It's kind of a fictionalized version of Steve Jobs life. It takes kind of the major events and major plot points, or if, if you can refer to life events as plot points, yeah. and, and condenses them into happening all before three major product launches in Steve Jobs' life. So there was one in 84, one in 88, and then one in 98. Yeah. And uh, basically, it all centers around the relationship with uh, his key collaborators, yeah. uh, his relationship with Apple, but not, it doesn't de- delve too much into that. Which I liked because we kind of all know the story of Steve Jobs and Apple at this stage. Yeah, he was kicked out and then he came back. Yeah, that's basically it. And the, uh, the main crux of the story is his relationship with his daughter and uh, his daughter's mother, who uh, uh, basically disputes the paternity. Yeah. And uh, it's about their relationship over time. Uh, what, I, what I really liked about it was it focused on elements, and like uh, interesting elements uh, of his life rather than delve too much into this is what happened to apple this is the story of apple like uh, like previous biopics kind of go from origin to some point you know of triumph or despair at the end yeah uh it's 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 basically uh, a lot of biopics or biopics is it biopic or biopic i say biopic i I think i prefer biopics 
But we'll agree to disagree on that. All right. But a lot of them feel like the filming of a Wikipedia page. Basically. They give you nothing more than you could have already gotten by just typing their name into Google. Here's what happened in their life. Yeah. And there's nothing interesting about that. I, the mo- what I find most interesting is the what what is focused on in this film is like the interpersonal relationships. And how he's a bit of a jerk. Yeah. Well, some people say that and, you know, maybe it's true, but I, I would just say he was uncompromising in his vision. And maybe that's what it takes to succeed. You have to be a little ruthless sometimes, even hurting the people that you love the most. Film portrays him as a jerk, though. It does. Uh, Which I kind of like. Because Steve Steve Jobs is a person who's regularly put on a pedestal as this kind of super genius. And I'm not saying he wasn't, but there are layers to who he was. And while this film probably leans a little too toward the he was a bit of a jerk side, and they do try to redeem him in the end, and I think they kind of needed to, because I think they did focus a little too heavily on him being a jerk. Yeah. But... At least they, they weren't afraid to say, look, this guy wasn't always that good a guy. Yeah. He was a smart guy, but not always that good of a guy. Exactly. Like Michael Fassbender, uh, one of the, the criticisms leveled was that he doesn't look like... I don't care. Steve Jobs? I, I don't... Who, ca- who cares what he looks like? I just wanted to know, can he potentially portray the kind of inner Steve Jobs? Exactly. I mean, if you go by that logic... What you get is a film with Ashton Kutcher, which nobody remembers. Yeah, and that film exists. Like his sole casting uh, reason was because he looks like Steve Jobs. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Sorkin wrote it. Aaron Sorkin is the comfort food my, for my ears. And it is very Sorkin-y. That's it the is. best way you could describe it. It is more an Aaron Sorkin film than a Danny Boyle film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Danny, there is elements of Danny Boyle's work in there. Like there's little moments where it kind of breaks reality. Yeah. And goes outside of itself. That's very much a Danny Boyle kind of thing to do, you know. And there are some very lovely shots in there. Yeah. Like, like even at the very start of the film, they're in an auditorium before the launch of the, the original Mac. Mac. No, it's the second Mac. It's the Apple. Or is it the Mac? Or? It's the Mac. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah. Of the original Mac. And there's just a shot of the empty seats. And it looks, it just looks gorgeous. I know. That, uh, I think, um, uh, it's gonna it's gonna get the Oscar nominations anyway. Screen uh screenplay definitely. definitely. Uh, director you can almost say most definitely. He'll get in. The, he'll he won't win it, but uh, he will probably be nominated. Uh, best actor, best picture. I don't think he. I'm not sure about picture. You don't think he'll get in picture? I, I think this might lose out on picture. I think Fassbender will get nominated. Yeah. Sorkin will, and Danny Boyle will. And cinematography will probably get a nod a, a, yeah. a nod as well. But uh, would you recommend it, Kerr? I would, because I, I, I like Sorkin. I will open it. Like, people didn't like the newsroom. I liked the newsroom. I didn't like Studio 60, but nobody liked Studio 60. Yeah. So apples out of five? Uh, four, four and a quarter. I would go four. Four? Yeah. Um, I just didn't, uh, one of the things I didn't like was just that they kind of leaned too heavily on the fact that he was a jerk. That's, I'd like that. I'd take an apple <laughs> off for that. Uh, they did redeem him at the end, but I, I, it's just like uh, they've kind of changed history to to suit their story. Which I, I, I again, I, I like that they did that though. It's a fictionalized version of it. Yeah. it it's to, it's trying to tell the story within the realms of a, a an easy to tell film. Yeah, and it's a three act film. It's a very simple film. Yeah, and uh, uh, it wasn't too long. I really like that. Like sometimes people 
especially you know serious filmmakers like Danny Boyle feel the need for a film to be long to be taken seriously yeah, prestige drama tends to run two and a half plus yeah so this is about two hours it feels about the right length of time it was surprisingly short that's you know that's probably why I expected it to be longer it's very well paced that's, that three act structure kind of very it lends itself towards very good pacing it's a it's a very kind of breezy film it comes, goes through uh, there's a, some laughs in there as well it's actually it's, it's Sorkin Sorkin always goes for his bit of slapstick and funny. his bit of fun uh, the dialogue is fantastic uh, so I would give it four apples Kara's going to four and a quarter so check it out it's in theatres now uh, again Kara this week we went to see Imagine Dragons yes in, in the three we arena in Dublin on top of the world good segue Kara uh, yeah. if you want to check out some of the performances they're actually on our YouTube channel yes uh, we put them up on the YouTube so you can listen to Radioactive and on top of the world uh, at YouTube just type in TWSKK yeah and uh, I have to say I was blown away I, I was I was expecting it to be good because I like a lot of their songs but the, the energy and the enthusiasm of their performances are, are through the roof. Yeah, particularly for like the songs that the crowd were really into. Yeah. Like stuff like Radioactive and On Top of the World and It's Time. Those yeah. kind of, the, their most popular songs, the place was absolutely buzzing. Like jumping, people were like like rocking back and forth and singing along. Uh, they're, they're all very good musicians as well. Very multi-talented. Yeah. And he's, he's a much better singer than you probably realize. Yeah. Because you think he's just, you know, he, he writes good catchy rock songs. But now he can actually, he has a set of lungs on him, Ken. He does. And he, 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 he plays percussion. So do a lot of the band. They rely a lot on percussion, actually. It's one of their yeah. key, key elements, especially in their second album, I think. But uh, they're still on tour. I think their European tour is ending shortly. Yeah, they're coming right toward the end of it. But we would say if you have the chance to see Imagine Dragons, if they come to your town, uh, it, it's worth the price of admission. And they're actually very reasonable. I think it was 40, 40 euros each. 40, yeah, I think. Yeah, which is which is very cheap for a concert of of a, of a of a mainstream band these days. They are, you know, they are. One they of the have three million Twitter followers. Yeah, they're one of the biggest bands around. So because we judge everything by the number of followers people have on Twitter. Check them out, and if you uh, don't have a chance to check them out, check out their two albums, Smoke and Mirrors, which is their most recent album, and their first album, which name is escaping me at the moment, but uh, you'll find it on iTunes. Yeah, or you can just go to TWSKK's YouTube channel and watch two videos. Yes, they are officially the most watched things in the history of our YouTube channel. Uh, don't maybe don't share that too much, uh, yeah. <laughs> just because. You and know. if you go to watch the the Imagine Dragons videos, go to watch our best bits too. That's TWSKK on YouTube, which is the entire point of talking about the concert. <laughs> no, fair play to Imagine Dragons. They are, they'll rock your socks. They'll rock your socks off. Your socks, you will lose the socks in the building that you're in, and that will probably upset you a little, especially if it's raining and then your feet get wet. But they will rock your socks off. You know, Gar, I wonder what. The members of Imagine Dragons were doing back in 1995. Some of them were probably children. Terrible segue. But yep. regardless, in honor of our 20th episode, we were heading back in time 20 years to rediscover the sights and sounds of the year that was 1995. In a new recurring segment, we're calling Back to the Past. You can't sue us, Back to the Future people. Yeah, Universal. That's oh, a cover. That's a cover. That's an official a cappella version of the Back to the Future theme song. So, uh, one of the, the, what what are your memories of 1995, Gary? I was three years old. I was uh, six years old. Yeah, you hated me. I did. We established that. We've since grown to hate each other less. Yes, slightly. And it's, it, this is actually, we didn't do the podcast out of liking each other. It's actually like court mandated. Yes. It, it's This is to get along a little better. A reconciliation method yeah i'd love to do that court mandated podcasts so you have to you have to work together as a team to create audio gold yeah 
Anyway, this isn't about our fantastic podcast. It's about 1995. It is. Ajax won the Champions League. They did. That's where, that's where we're going to start. Because if you look at modern Ajax and even modern Dutch football, it, the Dutch football has largely become a feeder system for the rest of Europe. It is. Like the, the PSV and Ajax never really do anything on, by themselves. They're, they're in the Champions League every year. They, they occasionally make it to the round of 16 and then get knocked out. Yeah. That's the way Ajax and PSV always work. They won the Champions League in 95. Yeah, in on May twenty fourth, they they beat uh, who did they beat? Here? Uh, AC Milan. They beat AC, AC Milan one 0 a goal by Patrick Kluivert, who Indeed. eventually ended up playing in 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 Italy. So that's ironic. He played for AC, didn't he? He played for Juventus, I think. Uh, he definitely played for AC. Did he play for AC? Yeah, as even well? then, he played for Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the Ernst Happel Stadium or Stadium, if in, we're speaking in the proper language. In Vienna, which is also <laughs> a rare site, they don't really send. The Champions League final to smaller European countries anymore. It seems to be in London every other year now. London or Germany. Yeah. It's quite, uh, it's not like, you know, Michel Platini talks about spreading the wealth of football. He doesn't really do that too often these days. Wonder if people put the money in his pocket. Allegedly. But uh, this was the third consecutive win for Ajax over AC this season. So they schooled him the entire time. I assume they played them in the group then. Yeah, so it's actually it's actually a very rare circumstance as well. Uh, this is another key point in 1995 that the, the two finalists came from the same group. Ah. And that, that was back in the day There was two group stages back then Wasn't there? I think so There was the first group stage And then people qualified Into the second group stage I think that was yeah, The early stages Of the Champions League And it makes them Fourth place on the list Of European Cup And UEFA League winners Dutch football is in a sad state They didn't yeah. even make the Euros They didn't And more like often they, than didn't, they didn't even make the playoffs For the Euros uh, uh, Yeah I mean More often than not Their, their clubs will make one of their clubs will make the knockout stage of the Champions League. But then. side tangent, Ken. Not nineteen ninety five related. Ireland qualified for the Euros. Yay. Suck at the rest of Europe. Especially, except the other countries that qualified. Especially the Dutch. Yeah. Boo Dutch people. Scotland must feel very left out because Ireland, Northern Ireland, England and Wales have all qualified, but Scotland didn't. And it was Scotland and Ireland's proposal to extend the tournament. Yeah. Mostly so we'd get in. That's ironic. That's a sidebar. Did you do you wanna this is a fun thing. We're gonna move on from the, the Dutch football and now the, the not, world of Dutch football. It's not the Dutch football segment. Uh what do you think the population of the world was then? Uh five ish. Five ish billion? Not bad. Five and a half. It's uh five thousand uh, five five thousand. That'd be very little. Yeah. Five billion six hundred and seventy four million three hundred and eighty thousand people. That's a lot of people in twenty years to have been born. Yeah. That, that's a hundred and one point four billion. People have been born since then. Mad, isn't it? It really is. If you actually see the, the world population growth, it's relatively steady up until like the, the mid 1800s. Yeah. When we began to like cure disease and industrialize things. Yeah. And it just goes, boom. So, yeah, we're, we're becoming overpopulated. That's what we've learned from our look back of 20 years. Colonize space. That's all we need to do. It's the only way. Yeah. We, we're getting close. We know what, what what's on Mars. We can, we're like, like five years away from living on Mars. <laughs> Maybe a little longer, but more or less. The main story of this year was that this is the year that the internet entered the public consciousness and also the year it was completely privatized. So it was like Alta Vista. Yeah. Ameri that was an early internet thing, wasn't it? I think so. Uh, America Online and Prodigy were the first internet providers. Back when, when literally, if you if you watch, I've seen like loads of news clips from that and nearly universally, the internet was described as the information superhighway. Yeah. It's always the information superhighway, the internet. That was kind of like the, the buzz explanation. That's the, the thing, the descriptor. And you'd have to put in a disk to get the internet. Yeah. And, and then there was the dial up and we won't 
pain your ears by doing a dial-up impression. No, but uh, it's just interesting that, you know, uh, in 20 years, the the internet has become... Like, ubiquitous. Ubiquitous, as in, like, we can't conceive life without it, but... This podcast exists solely through the internet. Otherwise, we're lunatics talking to ourselves, pretending other people can hear us. Exactly. Which is sometimes the way this podcast is anyway. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. The internet changed the world. It did change the world, and... Pre, like like we're we're kind of in a generation where nobody has lived without the internet but yeah. like pre-1995 those people did yeah and we're of that generation how do they live like this podcast would be uh, uh, not that it's, it's rigorously researched in the first place yeah. but it would be a lot less research if you were yeah. not for the internet we'd have to sort through our uh, large encyclopedia collection checking facts and looking up things there's no such thing as a, as as a as a disagreement over a fact anymore because you can just go like, oh, oh, really? I'm just going to yeah. Google it right now. Yeah, and it's just like and uh, doing a segment on the year 1995 is quite easy because there's a number of like uh, Wikipedia pages. It's like video games in 1995, movies in 1995. So it it, it has killed pub banter. So yeah. that's that's one thing the internet has. I mean, it's easier to cheat at quizzes. Exactly. Uh, the fourth Star, Star Trek series, Star Trek Voyager, debuted that year. I've never watched any Star Trek series. Yeah, it's not the one with Patrick Stewart. That's what I've learned from... You, you see, if I were to watch any of them, I would watch the one with Patrick Stewart. Maybe the one with uh, William Shatner. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a nerd hole. I'd probably fall down too wholeheartedly and I avoid falling down it in the first place. Yeah, you, it's, you, you don't want to come go, go down that rabbit hole in case you don't come back up again. Yeah, I'll, I'll just come back up speaking Klingon. Klingon. Uh, from a personal point of view, an Irish point of view, March 24th, the f- for, for the first time in 26 years, no British sh- soldiers patrolled the streets of Belfast. Freedom. Yeah. Happiness. Well, uh, that, well, that piece is, has, has main, re- remained relatively, as I, kind of pu- as I kind of pull my collar, relatively intact in the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you know, it seems like a long time ago now. It probably is uh, where they laid down their weapons. It's probably over a decade now, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, we have made progress with that. Um, I think it's 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 one of those things where it's it's still kind of tenuous. So even twenty years later, we're, it's it's kind of a it's almost like an addict, like any day you could relapse, but you just take it day by day <laughs> and see how it goes. Let's all get along. Uh, a very sad one, Gary. Next, on May 27th in Culpeper, Virginia, actor Christopher Reeve is paralyzed from the neck down after falling from his horse in a riding competition. The Superman curse, Ken. Yeah. It's a thing. Like, there's a lot of Supermans. Well, the only thing that happened to Dean Cain, he didn't die, but his, his career, career died. <laughs> yeah. So. And you could say the same about Tom Welling, actually. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he still gets around. And Brandon Ruth never recovered from that. He's he's in the he's in the Arrow cinematic or television universe, whatever that's called, yeah. the DC TV universe, that's which is honestly both. probably better than the DV, DC um, filmatic, film universe, filmatic universe, filmatic universe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Poor. Yeah, he's bouncing back, and he he's in bits and pieces. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Superman curse. If it doesn't kill you, it'll kill your career. Is what we've learned. Like, do you think Henry Cavill is going to be a thing after Superman? I think he's barely a thing now, isn't he? Yeah. He's just one of those guys. When you see him in other films, it's like, oh, yeah, you do other things. Let's let's, let's split through a a bunch of other interesting, curious facts. June 1st uh, was the beginning of the busiest hurricane season in 62 years. I do like hurricanes. There's like 20 of them, apparently. (laughs) That's the best thing about Ireland. Yeah. We get no real extreme weather. 
we get the back end of hurricane sometimes. Very little though. Like we we got wind it got windy recently, but not so much that you would actually be afraid to go outside the door. We don't line a fault line, so we don't get earthquakes. We don't we actually do we don't get snow because of the the Gulf of Mexico that flows across the Atlantic and stops us from getting like heavy heavy cold weather. We're a very we give it about the rain, but we're a very mild climate. We're a weather neutral country. Yeah. Oddly enough, the film Twister came the next year, so maybe it was inspired by the fact that there's loads <laughs> there's of a lot of hurricanes this year. Hurricanes are in. Hurricanes are, are the business. Uh, on June 3rd, Montreal Expos pitcher Mar- Pedro Martinez becomes the second Major League Baseball pitcher to pitch a perfect game, leading into the 10th inning. That's, that's the whole um, um, playing catch thing, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Basically, he struck everybody out. He, he sent them all back to the bench. Without them ever hitting. No, that's a no-hitter. No. Is there a difference between a perfect game and a no-hitter? Uh, I don't really know. This is a baseball. Baseball's a sport I don't understand. Poorly from from both from both a a like technical standpoint and from a how the hell do people sit through all of this standpoint? Yeah. So, uh I see you have June 24th just written in the script. <laughs> no, it's because there's two things, Gar. Ah, you, it was you, a very you, busy day in 1995. You poorly bullet pointed it. I bullet point you. You should have. You should have indented. I'll indent you. <laughs> the New Jersey Devils sweep the heavily favored Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings. Wings. That's like a Tweety Bird. That's why I said it like that. <laughs> yeah. Tweety Bird was a thing in '95. Wasn't to win it? their first Stanley Cup, but it was married by the fact that it was a lockout season, so it was shorter. So it's a bit of an asterisk next to their title. But then they win four 0 They did. That's not so much an asterisk as a punctuation, an exclamation mark at the end. A punctuation mark is any kind of punctuation. Also, South Africa wins the Rugby World Cup, inspired by the encouragement. Also, South Africa wins the World Cup, inspired by the encouragement of Morgan Freeman, a.k.a. Nelson Mandela. Free, free Morgan Freeman. (laughs) Mandela believed that winning the World Cup on home soil would unify a post-apartheid South Africa and mm. it proved to be the case apparently because they made a film about it called Invictus. Yeah. South Africa has been been better. Yeah. <laughs> better since then. Although in 2007 when they won the World Cup a second time that was uh, that was a, 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 an interesting thing because they nearly didn't let the team go because they didn't have enough black players. Yeah, that's a bit of a bit of a problem. And then they let them go and they went on to win it. So that was a good decision. Uh, what else have we got here? It's, it's a, an action-packed year, some might say, Gar. June 29th. Do you want to take that one, Gar? Uh, the Space Shuttle Atlantis docks with the Russian Mir space station for the first time. So that's a milestone in space travel. I liked our naming of space things. Yeah. It's usually after mythical things. That's pretty cool that way. Yeah, it's just like, the, the that's what we're doing. We're doing something that in, in five million years, when we're all dead and gone, the sun has encroached on us and burned us all to death. But we'll be talking to our children about how, how Atlantis reached space and Apollo and we go to Mars. You know, yeah. we, we name things. And, they, and they'll go like, I've been to space yesterday, Dad. Yeah. And then you'll be like, well, they did it first. And if it weren't for them, you wouldn't be able to do it at all. Yeah. Stupid children. Yeah, OJ, Stupid non-existent children. OJ got away with it in, uh, in 1995, Ken. He did. He was found not guilty of the double murder of the deaths of his former wife, Nicole Simpson, and her lover, Ronald Goldman. I could say that again. Ronald Goldman. You said it, you said it kind of like a goldfish. <laughs> I'm saying things like they sound. Yeah. OJ. It's a kind of universal term for getting away with things. Yeah. Particularly murder. And uh, what's interesting about that is that he was defended by Robert Kardashian. 
yeah senior who was he was the father of the kardashian brood well most of them anyway most of them uh, he inflicted it on our world so his fame <laughs> led to their fame essentially yeah if, if it weren't for oj we wouldn't have the kardashians that was the butterfly effect of oj ken the kardashians became a public presence and then became famous for being famous and now we have to suffer them we do August 24th saw the release of Microsoft Windows 95. I never used Windows 95, I don't think. Uh, I, I think maybe I was on the tail end of it, more Windows 98. Yeah, 98 it, is probably where I started. It was a milestone in personal computing in terms of, of the scope of what it could do. and, and It was user-friendly. The, the interface, which was stolen from Apple, it seems, because uh, Microsoft, a lot of their programs were, or OSs were command-based. Yeah. And Steve Jobs' big innovation was user friendly, but and then but limited capabilities. And then they're like, "That's terrible. Nobody wants that." And then they stole it. Everyone wants that. No one wants that to learn things, to use things. Everyone wants just to be able to use things. And over our side of the world, guard the Christmas number one uh, was the Earth song by Michael Jackson. That's a good song. Yeah, not bad. A solid. It's gotten steadily worse since. It's basically the X Factor winner every year. It is, isn't it? Yeah. They really do rip that song off. And there was that one movement to have Rage Against the Machine win it. And then they tried again in the next year to have something else. And then people were just like, I'm over this now. Like even even X Factor songs almost sound vaguely like Earth, uh, Earth song. Yeah. You know, they have the same beats. Yeah. But, well, you know, they're always covers. They're not, like there's only once it's been an original song, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And also we, we missed one again in, in September that year. The release yeah. of the Sony PlayStation. Oh, yes. I thought I, like, I had that as 1996 in my head. Yeah, it was in the September 95, released in Europe and yeah. the US. Yeah, we got them one pretty... I, 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 maybe because I'm thinking it's that way because we got one in 96. Yeah, because our, our aunt won the lottery and bought us one. <laughs> Yay! We're not rich, by the way. <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> not by any, any, any means. So I just thought we'd talk about some births and deaths because that's always fun. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, the most notable birth, uh, and this is depressing, so get ready. <laughs> English computer programmer and internet entrepreneur Nick De Delacio? De, De, De Luisio? De Luisio? I don't know Italian. De Luisio has been recognized as the youngest person to receive a round of vet venture capital in technology at just 15 years of age. Uh, the creator of Sumly, which was sold to Yahoo at only age 18 for reported 30 million US dollars, making him one of the youngest self-made millionaires in history yeah you see but people born in 1995 ken are 20 now yeah that's that i can't get my head around that he's 20 and he's a multi-millionaire yeah i'm 23 and i'm unemployed the 90s just feels like the last decade it feels like 10 years ago yeah the whole the whole 20 i don't want to say noughties because it's the worst yeah thousands yeah. thousands is, is is a thousand years i suppose yeah. everything is the thousands or the two thousands but you get my point. The, the decade before the current one we're in, yeah. it felt like it barely existed. Yeah, it just kind of breezed by. I remember it being 2000. It's like, oh my God, this is so modern. And before you knew it, it was 2010. It's like 2000 was a decade ago. Yeah. So that, and that's got me what we've learned. That 1995 was 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago. I was only born three years before that. Other, other notable births. Great news for Arsenal as three other footballers, Callum Chambers, Serge Gnabry and Hector Bellerin were all born in 1995. 95-95 didn't exist. Arsenal wouldn't have a back line. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Like, like people of that age are becoming the the mainstream footballers or like the, the first team footballers, which I would consider young, but like it's younger yeah. and younger these days. 
you see, you hear 1995 and in your head you assume people that were born in 1995 are still give or take 12 yeah yeah like, they're, they're as all, illogical as that is they're all still children and then you're like oh wait no they're not i'm they're, not a child anymore they're extremely successful human beings exactly uh, Liverpool footballer Devok Origi, also 1995. American model Gigi Hadid. Some people know who she is. I don't. I don't know who most of these people are. American swimmer Missy Franklin. She's an Olympic medalist. Good for her. She, American gymnast Gabby Douglas. She's also uh, a medalist. Still good for her. Uh, you you know who it is. Kenton Duty and Caroline Sunshine are from the Disney sitcom Shake It Up. They're living the dream. They're born in the same year and they played brother and sister on screen. So it's kind of weird. well, at least at the same age. Yeah, they they play twins, didn't they? Uh, I, I don't remember Shake the, It Up uh, Squad uh, uh, I think they were twins I can't remember Gunter yeah. and Tinka anyway I think they're yeah. I, I know way too much about Disney sitcoms and considering they, they seemed vaguely racist well they come especially because the, they're American they come from the Eastern Bloc so you know but they're American they're yep. played by Americans but their characters are like from some mythical Eastern European country still uh 1995 was the year we said goodbye to Dean Martinger. Who has the second best version of Let It Snow. Suck it, Buble, you're third. Buble, he's still alive. We can, yeah. we can confirm that. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a new podcast. Uh, the Weekend Show confirming people are in fact still alive. So if the internet says he's dead, they're lying. Actress Ginger Rogers. Actress Elizabeth Montgomery. I don't know who these people are, Ken. She was in Bewitched. <laughs> That's a gum about a witch. Was she the person? Was she the witched person in Bewitched? Yes. Okay. Former British Prime Minister Harold Harold Wilson. Good for him. His contribution. Not good for him. He died. Yeah, he died. But you know, he he had a good contribution during his time, which included the liberalisation of laws on censorship, divorce, homosexuality, immigration, and abortion, as well as the abolition of capital punishment. So you know, hmm. he had a good run. And this was all back in the sixties and seventies. So you know. Getting rid of capital punishment is only a good thing. Britain is is a lot more progressive than some might say. British tennis player Fred Perry, who's famous because before Andy Murray, he was the last person to win Wimbledon. I assume the clothing band is named after him. I never even thought about that. The the clothing band, the brand that was co-opted by scumbags in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, he won Wimbledon in, 19, in 1936, and he was the last British player to win a men's grandstand single title until. Annie Murray in 2012 US Open and he was the last person to win Wimbledon before Annie Murray as well so that's quite a gap yeah uh, Orville Redenbacher American pop cane ma- uh, popcorn magnet is what I have down here what did he make? you know you know Redenbacher the popcorn the, mm. in, the popcorn you see now these days not at all he's an American entrepreneur and businessman anyway so uh, popcorn he's famous for these days and British comedian Kenny Everett, who had his own sketch show. Hmm. In the year in video games, Ken, Rayman was released in 1995. Not bad. If you remember Rayman with his weird... Floaty and, arms. Floaty arms, yeah. Actually, one of the, the sole comment uh, on one of our videos on the our, our YouTube page, just search TWSKK on YouTube, is someone wanting Rayman in Smash Brothers. Oh. Uh, yeah. So that, cool. that ties it in. We did this segment solely for him, so we could bring up Rayman. Thank you, listener. And uh, Earthbound was released... One of the best RPGs ever made. And Chrono Trigger was released. One of the best RPGs ever made. RPG Heaven. Yeah. And Tekken 2. So I thought we'd finish out our round because we are a pop culture podcast. Popcast. Pop. We should just rename it. Yeah. The Popcast. We're podcasting. That probably exists. Yeah. That's that's too easy a pun for it not to exist. It's like when you're thinking, we do a pop culture related podcast with uh, occasionally a side of news. What should we call it? Hmm. A podcast. Podcast. We're podcasting right now. Yeah. TM.
<laughs> if you say it, it's real. Exactly. So we th- I thought we'd round it out by uh, running down the top 10 films in 1995 by worldwide growth. Yeah. Because so, Ken judges money films not by their artistic integrity, but how much money they made. Money, 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 money. Number 10 is Jumanji. Does that surprise you, Gar? That's a brilliant film. So no, it doesn't. Okay. I really, I wanted Jumanji to be real. You know the way they're inventing like uh, VR now? Yeah. I want I want them to, to make Jumanji into a virtual reality thing. That would be cool. Number nine is Waterworld. I've never seen Waterworld. When, when I first saw it, I, for some reason, my mind went to Waterboy instead of Waterworld. Waterworld is with Kevin Costner, where the world fills up with water and they're yeah. trying to find land. And it's considered, it, it was over budget. It was way over, way over schedule and considered one of the biggest commercial flops of all time. It, it was the ninth biggest film of the year. I don't imagine it was that bad. Well, no, like they expected a lot from it, considering yeah. what, what it was made for. Number eight is Casper. The Friendly Ghost. Number seven is Seven, coincidentally. <laughs> the seventh highest grossing film of 1995 was Seven, yeah. which is a, a really good thriller. It's dark. I think aside from House of Cards, that's Kevin Spacey's kind of go to this is why he's good. I didn't think that was 20 years old, though. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. And David Fincher does make very stylish thrillers. Coming he's, in, he's uh, good at that. Jared, we're moving on. In the I'm list. sorry. I want to talk about Seven. Sorry, Ken. We'll, Isn't that the point of the segment? We'll do a Seven podcast at some stage, okay? Number six, Batman Forever. Batman, back when Batman films were fun. People, people kind of uh, d- derive, derive is the wrong word. Be mean. Be mean to the Schumacher uh, Batman films. But they're fun, okay? They are fun. And it's different. You Like, there's different adaptations. There's different adaptations of Doctor Who. Different adaptations of Bond. It's just, like, a different take on it. And, like, they can all be taken on their own merits. So deride. Like, deride was the word I was looking for. But I didn't like Thank Kilmer. you for cutting across my point here. That's fine. Yeah, I, I was in my own little words. Like, in my words. But did you like Kilmer? Uh, uh, kind of moody. Kind yeah. Of, kind of boring i wasn't said because i don't think he embraced the schumacher th- tone yeah which, so which just clooney wholeheartedly did he stuck out like a sore thumb because he's just trying to be serious and gritty and clooney just had nipples number five is pocahontas perhaps one of the most disappointing disney films of mm. all time mediocre film one very good song yeah colors uh, of the wind is a hell of a song and it whitewashed a, a terrible period in american history yeah uh basically uh, interesting tidbit before we move on a little Disney tidbit that like, I like to throw in now and again did we, did we not mention did we deliberately not mention it last week when yeah. we were talking about Disney films exactly we held back Pocahontas and The Lion King were in production at the same time and many animators wanted to get off The Lion King to work on Pocahontas because they thought it would be the more prestigious and successful well they screwed up there didn't they suck it uh, given the year that's in it we have a Bond film this year uh, number four was GoldenEye yeah one of the better Bond films. Pierce's Prob- first. Probably his best Bond film, I would say. Yeah, he peaked. He peaked at the re- right at the start. <laughs> Number three is Apollo 13. I've never seen Apollo 13. I haven't seen it. I, I, I've probably seen it when I was way young. But yeah. I, can't, I, I can't really remember now. Uh, number two is Toy Story. Not surprisingly. You know, what, you know what's remarkable about Toy Story? What? That film is 20 years old. Okay. It actually didn't come out in Ireland until 96. But it's 20 years old. It was released in the US in 1995. And if you watch it now... It, it holds looks up entirely. Yeah. It looks perfect. You know the animation. If you watch nineties Disney animation, if you watch Hercules or Aladdin, it looks fine. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, but it looks like something from the nineties. If you watch Toy Story, and if you didn't know it was released in nineteen ninety five, you wouldn't know it wasn't released yesterday. 
I know. It looks so good. That's how revolutionary it was. It was like, it looks so good. But if you ever watch the story behind Toy Story, people literally died to make that film. Yeah. Staying up all night for days on end. The processing power of the computers were stretched to the limit. Uh, There's a, uh, a documentary called The Pixar Story. If you have a chance to see it, it tells the story of Toy Story. And it's really good. So check that out. Sneaky Netflix. And Toy Story itself is a Netflix no, all the time. No. Always watch Toy Story. Exactly. Number one is surprising to me, kind of, but I can kind of get it. It's Die Hard with a Vengeance. Well, you think of the Die Hard films in modern terms, which are kind of these action films they turn out. And this was the 90s when action fil- action films were huge. Yeah. And action stars were like the, the top paid stars in Hollywood. Yeah. So uh, that's your list of the top 10 films. Gross. Do you like Die Hard with a Vengeance? Uh, I liked it the first I heard more. Yeah, the second one. Well, this is the third. That's the third one? That's the third. No. That's, uh, you don't like the one with, uh, uh, what's his name? The uh, Samuel L. Jackson. There we go. No. And essentially, it inspired the WWE film 12 Rounds. Yeah. 12 Rounds was a Die Hard with a Vengeance ripoff. Yeah, I don't... <sighs> I kind of liked it. I liked the whole like, him wandering the city solving little puzzle things. The premise of it is interesting, but it, it kind of got away from what was good about the first one, I thought. Which was just him shooting people and quipping. Quipping, exactly. It's kind of like, it's, it's not get too high concept here. Yeah. Just, it was like it was the second last good Die Hard film. Die Hard 4 was good. And you have to try and make them different, but at the same time, when it kind of gets very far away, what it, it became, like the first one was a kind of a siege film, and this is just kind of... The second one was kind of a siege film too. Yeah, and, and the third one is just like completely different, which is probably what they were aiming for. But also like, you know, you have to kind of stay true to what it is. But yeah, the fourth Die Hard film is good. And the fifth one is a pile of garbage. That should be forgotten forever. And they'll probably make a sixth. That brings an end to our trip down memory lane. Just time for a quick break while we head back to the future in time to bring you this week's netpicks. See you in 2015. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download every Sunday at soundcloud.com slash the weekend show. You're listening to the Weekend Show with myself, Ken Kidney, and my co-host Garrett. Time now again for Netpicks, our weekly selections designed for your entertainment pleasure, all available on the web. What's up first for you this week, Gar? Children's television, Ken. The place where we all go to learn and, and our parents put us in front of in order to, you know, distract us for a few hours and they don't have to pay attention. And I, I love I love old children's television, but there's nothing better than than regional children's television. Yeah. So I, I was on YouTube recently. I was like, remember that show, The More Bags? I wonder if some of that on YouTube. I actually went looking for the theme song, you know, More Bags for More Bag Land. Need your help to understand how to save the growing tree with the help of you and me. Stinking time with Gar. But uh, yeah, and I watched an episode of The Morbegs, and it's dumb, and it's 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 uh, Rosso, uh, Rossa and Molly even Rossa. They're they're a boy and a girl. They're Morbegs, as the song suggests. They're from Morbegland, which I don't know where Morbegland is. I don't even know what Morbegs are. Yeah, they're kind of weird alien sock monster, hairy frog things. Yeah, with socks for ears. <laughs> yeah, and Molly. Yeah, they have socks on their head, and occasionally Rossa pulls Molly's socks, and she gets mad at him. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a bastard. Yeah. Uh, the, the particular episode I watched, uh, I think it was called Birthday Party. Yeah, Birthday Party. Uh, was where it was Molly's birthday and she got presents and she got a ping pong table. <laughs> and Brilliant. Yeah. She didn't want to play a Rasta to play with her presents because they were new and they were hers and she was afraid she'd break them. They, 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 he'd break them. 
So in order to teach her a lesson, because they had a helper, their helper fellow said, all right, Molly, you play ping pong by yourself. Genius. And she hit the ball across one time and she was like, oh, and then she hit it again and she was like, oh, and then her head dropped and she was really sad because there was no one to return the ball. I remember one storyline was like New Year's, New Year's Eve and the whole point of the show is they've come to Dublin or Ireland to. Yeah, there was always like kids there. Yeah. You know, they'd, they'd have kids around and it's, it's like, why aren't you terrified of these things? But one of the, the storylines was, the storyline is to save the, the growing tree, whatever the growing tree is. Yeah. Aren't the all got, trees growing trees? Yeah, all trees do in fact grow unless they're dead. But does it, I think it's like the giver of life or some kind of yeah. thing in there. And, and it was the show was cancelled before that was ever resolved. Yeah. So yeah it, it ran from 96 to 98 and somehow still stayed on the air. It was like repeated until 2008. Yeah, and the growing tree was never saved and never yeah. kind of resolved that. But it was like New Year's Eve and she's like, and, they, and their handler was like, oh, you might not get to save the growing tree until next year. And they're like, he was like, oh, no. And then, you, know, <laughs> they ha- you have to watch this because they yeah. have the, the weirdest voices. And, and, he, and, he's, and, and then Rasa was like, oh, no. And then he was just like, city, Rasa, next year is tomorrow. Another story like when they went out to dinner and their handler really liked potato skins. And instead of dessert, he decided to have more potato skins. And then he felt really sick. And then he learned about what antacids are. That's children's <laughs> television for you. Yeah. So that's, there you go. So that's the Moorbegs. M-O-R-B-E-G-S. If, if you do anything else, just, just watch the theme song. Gar, we are in the era of the GIF. Yes. We are. So my suggestion this week, my first one is GIF Keyboard by Rifsy Inc. It's available for iOS and Android. Basically, it's app libraries for every reaction and emotion you could want. You could ever (laughs) come up with. Using popular viral memes and clips from movies and TV. So, like, basically anything that's popular, they use it to create a meme. Right. Uh, It's compatible with Facebook and other messengers. Any platform that supports MMS, basically. Uh, It's lots of fun. So, if you don't know what to say, say it with a GIF. It's just, it's just. It's basically, it's a GIF database, is it? Yeah. And, and like it's a simple idea, but it, it is fun. Like, it, like even if you're not going to use them, browsing them is 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 good for a chuckle. And you know, it, like people communicate by gifts these days. So if you ever use Slack, you know, it's it's a, a backend thing where people can communicate with each other. If you ever use Slack, it, there's actually a command where you can put like slash giphy and a word, and it will come up with a random gif related to that word. It's fun. Also, if you ever want to make your own gifts, use GifCam. So we have really easy to use program. Sneaking epic saga. Yeah. So I recommend that. Uh, that's GIF Keyboard by Rifsy Inc. It's available on your Android uh, Play Store or on the Apple Store. Uh, it's just fun. It's just, you know, one of those silly things that you can add onto your phone. And, and you will see a bunch of cat GIFs and then cats. Once again, the internet has made cats worthwhile. Gar, up next for you this week. Uh, Netflix are releasing their their a slate of superhero shows. They're doing their own little Avengers team up thing where they have their own four shows and then they come together to form the Defenders. Yes. Uh, they've already aired Daredevil, which was really really good. Coming back for a second season shortly. Yep. And this week they dropped Jessica Jones, which is their second show. Yes. Starring Kristen Ritter and David Tennant. Kristen Ritter playing the eponymous character and David Tennant playing Kilgrave. And I've I've watched four episodes so far, and, and more. And uh, the the kind of key of those episodes is, is how well it does setting up the Kilgrave character, because Kilgrave is this person who can essentially get you to do anything he wants just by speaking it. So he'll say, uh, "Kill that person," and because he has superpowers, he will do it. 
That's so cool. Yeah. And as a villain, you can you can just imagine, how do you stop that? You get yeah. close enough and he's like, stop. And then you stop. And uh, the, the, the key of, of the show is that Jessica Jones was a former victim of his who managed to escape. Yeah. And then he got hit by a bus. But he's back. And then she's afraid of him. Does she have superpowers? She does. She has kind of super strength. Apparently in the comics she can fly. Yeah. But they've only kind of hinted at a above average strength so far. But it's nice to see David Tennant after the total flop that was Grace Point. Yeah. Getting but something else in America. What's most interesting is his screen time. I've only watched the first four episodes, as I said. His screen time in the first four episodes is, is, is very small. Maybe that's... I, I, it's I would, by design. It, yeah. It's nearly certainly by design. But it's, he's still the, the most like foreboding presence in the whole show. He's barely in it, but it's just like this whole show revolves around him. You you look forward to him showing up. So it's like the boogeyman, he's like or, or like Freddy Krueger in, in the good Freddy Krueger films. Like yeah, he's around so little, but like the the, the dread and the suspense of when he's going to show up yeah. is what you, makes you the show. see the aftermath of his effects more than you actually see him doing it, which I think is actually a brilliant little idea. That uh, and when he does show up and when he does kind of feature a more directly prominent role you already know how important he is because the entire show revolves around things he's done even though you never see him actually do them. And the fact that he can manipulate anybody can. Anybody in the street could be coming out to kill you. Good God. That's the reason that like uh, Charles Xavier can do more or less the same thing but he's a good guy so you know he's not going to do it. Yeah. So when you give those similar powers to a bad guy it's like uh, boundless possibilities Ken. They can kill you in any way. And how do you stop it? Exactly. Find out by watch, watching Jessica Jones on Netflix. Yeah, it's really. Uh, it hasn't quite. It hasn't quite like hooked me in the way Daredevil did instantly. But it is a really good show. Okay, my final pick is Nerd Vanna. I would say. Okay. It's Break Media's Man at Arms, available on the All Me Network on YouTube. Basically, they make real life versions of famous film and video game weapons, uh, and. The, the creators are some of, of the film industry's best weapon makers and blacksmiths. So, like, these guys make uh, uh, props uh, for the stage and for films. You know, like, you know, if they need a sword or need a, or a bow or whatever, they make it. So that's their business. But they've kind of gone viral with kind of making cool things from video games and movies. So you have Baltimore Knife and Sword and The Sword and Stone from Burbank, California. So... Uh, there's two series um, I'll explain so the first series uh, features Sword and Stone uh, from Bar- Burbank well there's two series of the regular men ar- at arms here are some of the things they've made Garrett get ready to nerd out okay uh, Cloud's Buster Sword from Final Fantasy 7 yes I wanted to feature that one because it's actually gigantic yeah it's a sword bigger than you it's huge and hilariously impractical yeah it's just like the designers are like we could have him have a normal sword but that doesn't look cool let's have him a sword have him have a sword you couldn't possibly actually lift they could barely lift it they had like they're they testing it because that's one of the things they i assume they were trying to make it the scale they made it to scale yeah they made it thick, like it would be in the game and it took uh two nearly three people to lift it yeah. it was so heavy so cloud clearly all that mako energy injected into cloud clearly has made him super strong They've also made Squall's Gunblade from Final Fantasy VIII. Also a pretty pointless weapon. It is eight. Yeah. It's a gun and it's a sword. It's a gun sword. I'm proud of myself that I remembered which one it was. Good job, Ken. Thor's hammer. What's the name of the hammer? Mjolnir. Mjolnir? Mjolnir. Mjolnir. I got it. Yeah, close enough. Link's shield from Zelda. I don't think Link's shield has a name. It, it, does, it does actually have a name, but I neglected to put it in. Does it? Yeah, they also I, made... I played enough Zelda games and I don't remember Link's shield having a name. Tisk. The Master Sword has a name. Tisk, tisk, care. Captain America's, America's shield. 
looked badass by Made out of adamantium. Yeah. The the oath the keeper keyblade from Kingdom Hearts. I assume that's the regular keyblade. Yeah. There are lots of different keyblades. Yeah, he's he's made a couple of them. Odd Jobs hat from James Bond. The most wonderful weapon. Aragorn's sword and many, many more. I assume that's Isildur's sword more than Aragorn's sword. Well, his you know, the, the sword he uses. The sword of Gondor. Yes. Handed down, given to him in the third film so he could get the, the ghosts to follow him and kill people. I watched the third film last night. This is the reason that's come up. I could go on, but there's too much awesomeness to mention. Just uh, you, you, could, you Basically, you could, it's one of those YouTube chains you could stuck in for hours. Uh, there's also a, a Men at Arms Reforged series, which is them making mashups of popular weapons. That's by the, the Baltimore Knife and Sword group. Um, some of the ones that just to wet your whistle that they've made is Batman's Wolverine Claws. How, All, does, how does Batman have Wolverine Claws? It's the Batman gauntlet. Turned Wolverine into Claws. claws. Yeah. That's cool. It's awesome. I want this. All the TMNT weapons combined into one. And a bespoke Iron Man sword. Ooh, bespoke. This is basically Iron Man if he had a sword. Ah. Uh, each episode involves a weapons test where they play with their creations. And it's hilarious sometimes because they're... And ideally not try to cut each other. They're like highly impractical. Like the, the Keyblade, or not even the Keyblade, the, the Buster sword is, is, is a highlight because they're trying to cut something with it. But they like they take three people to do it. How does the Keyblade work as a sword? It's a key. It's a large key. Yeah, but like the edge of it is sharp. Well, they made the edge of it sharp. Anyway. Yeah. Basically, it's kind of interesting because obviously you're seeing these cool things come to life, but like there's huge danger involved, like really dangerous machinery and like ridiculously high temperatures to forge these weapons. So it's a fun mixture of awe and dread. Uh, so that's why I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, you, people could have their head chopped off at any moment trying or, to lift the buster sword. Or their arm melted off. That's Man at Arms on the Awe Network. Awe Me Network, I should say, on YouTube. Check it out. It's awesome and you'll watch it for hours. Our pool of picks has just run dry. We will be sure to refill it in time for next week. Let us know your thoughts on our picks on Twitter at TWSKK and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. While you're at it, why not give us an old like and a follow so you never miss an episode. We are coming right back after the break with a preview of this year's WWE Survivor Series. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Welcome back to the Weekend Show. It's that time of year again, the annual WWE Fall Classic that is the Survivor Series. It emanates this year from the Phillips Arena Atlanta, an arena I've been to. It's where the, the Atlanta Hawks play and where I saw Raw once. Yeah, after WrestleMania 27. And probably the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure. But it's this Sunday on new November 22nd. This year's event hasn't taken place yet, but we know it's already noteworthy for a number of reasons. First of all, the crowning of a new WWE champion, plus the 25th anniversary of The Undertaker. Bong. I was going to try and say it like, um, what's his name says it? Howard Finkel? No, the other guy. Justin Roberts? Justin Roberts, yeah, where he says it with lots of... The Undertaker. I yeah, can't do it. He give or take that. He rolls his, his sounds. I can't do it. Undertaker debuted at the same event in 1990. So this week, we're going to run down the card of the show and talk about the main talking points and make some predictions, which yes. we will mock each other next week over who gets them right or wrong. Okay. First up, Garrett, is Dolph Ziggler versus Tyler Breeze with Summer Rae I in a singles it. match. I believe you just have to refer to them, Ken, as Summer Breeze. Genius. It's their shipping name. Did you come up with that? Or? No, that's other people come up with that. Oh. I'm not smart enough to come up with things. I, I have this marked as a filler match, Gar. Can I add it at the last minute? Well, they built it up. 
Like yeah. the Breeze debuted against or opposing Ziggler. This this is a match that has been in the works for at least a few weeks. If they only announced, even if they only announced it on SmackDown. Is this like Highlander in the fact that there can only be one because they're basically the same character? Yeah, Dolph just has to. What uh, they have to have like a loser can't dye his hair match or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is Breeze a natural blonde? He doesn't look a natural blonde. No, I don't think so. It looks very much bleach blonde. Yeah, it's interesting to me in the fact that. It's one that neither can afford to lose. Uh, well, Dolph can lose. What's Dolph have going for him? I know, but like... like uh, you, you, I kind of get your point because Dolph always loses. Yeah. And like, if you remember this time last year where he won the Survivor Series match. Yeah. And, yeah he survived against all, all the odds when Sting helped him. Yeah. But it, it was just my like... My point is like, how, 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 how many more times can he be redeemed from that, you know? I don't think he can, honestly. <laughs> well, he can. I, I'm, I'm never in a, a kind of category that people are irredeemable. That people go past the point where you can't actually do anything with them anymore. Because I think two months work kind of actually trying to rebuild somebody and you'll get the job done. But nearly anybody unless the person is rubbish. But uh, Dolph, he, Dolph shouldn't win because Breeze has already lost. He lost his debut match at Ambrose in the tournament. Yeah. So he shouldn't be losing again. Exactly. He shouldn't have lost in the first place. He shouldn't have put him in a tournament where he's going to lose. Exactly. As a new character, he needs to build a bit of momentum. Yeah, at least give him a few months before you dash his hopes of ever being something legitimate and worthwhile on the main roster. So what what are your predictions for this one, Gar? Uh, they have a very good match. Like uh, I saw the reports of the, the European house show matches they had, and all of them were like nearly show of the night. They had very good chemistry together by all accounts. Uh, Breeze has to win. Breeze should win. I'm going to go for a non-finish. You're going to go for a non-finish? Because uh, this more than likely opens. Yeah. If this doesn't open, the 10-man the tag opens. I suppose they could always open with the, the two tournament matches, couldn't they? Yeah. Which would also make sense. Just give them time to have the main event later in the night. So realistically, half this card could open the show. Yeah. But yeah, I think they'll have a good match and Breeze wins by distraction on the hands of Summer Rae. Yeah. I was thinking that they'll probably go to some kind of non-finish to facilitate a rematch they'll probably do the rematch anyway yeah then Dolph will beat Breeze and Breeze will uh, fall down into Fandango levels of mid-card and stay there for the rest of his career oh like everyone does look at Neville debuted big fanfare uh, hoorah had that match with Cena where he took him to the limit now he's just a guy who happens not to be on this show and he made it to quarterfinal of the tournament yeah and he was never winning well we'll mention it later but he'll likely make it into the Survivor Series match he might Second up is Charlotte defending the Divas Championship against Paige. Uh, the first thing I wanted to mention, Garrett, was the segment on Raw, <sighs> uh, which many people praised. And it was... Did people praise it? Well, well if they praised the fact that the women got to be in the main event segment, <laughs> well, it's that was, rarefied that was, there. It was tokenism at its worst. But there was a moment where Paige exploits the death of Reed Flair to get herself over the heel. Yeah, Reed Flair died of a drug overdose a few years ago at the age of 25, I believe. Yeah, very young. And and that hit the Flair family particularly hard. Yeah. And Charlotte essentially said, or Paige said, uh, Charlotte was talking about how they're fighters and Ben Paige essentially said that your brother wasn't that much of a fighter, was he? That, was, that wasn't the exact quote, but that's the... That's it's an awful thing to say. Really. It's 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 e even from the sense that even if everyone okayed it, you're saying that this this man who died of a drug overdose was clearly too weak to kick the habit. Yeah. So it's from a moralistic point of view, it should have been quashed. I think. And and they they've doubled down. They showed a replay on SmackDown. Their their statement more or less blamed Charlotte for it. Ric Flair and and uh, Charlotte's mother Elizabeth Flair 
didn't know about it. Yeah. And worst of all, they're exploiting the death, a tragic death of a young man for commercial gain. It should never. For their stupid little pay-per-view on Sunday. I mean, and like if they had a hot segment, you know, like a heat segment, they, they could have gotten that over without having to exploit well, it. There's a tasteful way to introduce Reed because uh, Reed means an awful lot to Charlotte. So it's part of the reason she became a wrestler for uh, to, to kind of do his legacy justice. Like, for example, if she said, you know, she was going to do it for her family, especially him. And say Paige said, well, you're going to be disappointed and you're not going to win. Something like that is is, pushing it, but it's not too bad. You're not saying this guy died. Ha ha ha. By our pay-per-view. That's disgusting. It is. How does that make it out of a writer meeting? How does that room of people who are probably terrified of Vince McMahon, but that's probably the reason. But a room of people not go. That's disgusting. Yeah. The wrestling business has... Uh, it's shady. I know. Uh, like, yeah. That's... It has a history of anything goes, but it's not like in a PG era and in an era where they want to be taken legit. Uh, that's why people look down on wrestling. And seen as legitimate. It's 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 something that shouldn't happen. And then the whole bloody divas revolution, which the, the approach to it seems to be not too dissimilar to Beetlejuice. Yeah. If you say it too of, uh, often enough, it'll magically appear in front of your eyes. People will buy it. Yeah, it's just like... Oh, Divas Revolution, Divas Revolution, Divas Revolution. Oh, it's real. <laughs> uh, what are your predictions for this one, Gary? Uh, Charlotte has to win. If yeah. Charlotte loses, like, uh, and that, that's the idea that, oh, people get mad at Paige and then Charlotte overcomes her and is right in the end. But yeah, Charlotte has to win. I think it would be a good match, though. These two are well capable of it. Uh, Charlotte's all right. People give out about Charlotte, but she's all right. Paige, I don't rate at all. Like yeah. Paige has been on the roster for going on two years now. It'll be two years in April. She's been on the main roster and she has done literally very little of worthwhile. That was worthwhile. Yeah, but she's won two Divas titles. Well, yeah, but that doesn't matter. What good matches did she have, Ken? What notable rivalries? What good feuds and stories and programs has she had? WrestleMania was a pretty good match. The, the AJ Lee one against the Bellas? Yeah. <laughs> and those matches with AJ were the most... For two, two women that were touted as kind of... The, the modern day divas that the that should be breaking through the breaking down barriers and having good matches they were rubbish rant over rant over uh next, take the bellas over so you're not crap. excited about the divas match I'll not at it. all uh uh you might be excited about this next one uh the five on five traditional survivor series elimination tag match um as of now no participants have been announced yeah recording is on saturday morning no one's announced. Yeah. <laughs> They've announced it's going to be there. It'll be like uh, the New Day and, I don't know, the Ascension, Cody Rhodes. Barrett might be in there. Barrett and Sheamus, maybe, against... Neville might be in there. Neville, uh, Cesaro, the Usos, the Dudleys, Ryback. It'll likely be some combination of those. I think I said, I named seven on each side. They're cut two and you'll probably get this match. Yeah, the lack of build and the fact that there's nothing at stake uh, indicates that this is nothing but filler. Yeah, uh, the the wonderful Rich Cratch or Cratch uh, <laughs> wrote a piece last year about why your Survivor Series matches suck. Yeah, uh, and they kind of do. I like the idea of the Survivor Series elimination matches more than the actual execution of them. I mean, uh, it should be noted that it's the first po- time in a long time that it's not actually the focal point of the card. In, in that a, a big storyline is playing out, or is it some big stake? Was it two thousand? Didn't have any. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, they all had like. Survivors, yeah, the, survivor themed match. Oh no, two thousand two, didn't have any. It had elimination chamber and it had the elimination tag. Yeah, but I don't think it had an actual five on five match. So they kind of took it uh, more liberally and kind of had survivor elements. Yeah, and when like the the two thousand nine matches stand out to me. 
Yeah. Because you, you had the match where The Miz, uh, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus stood tall at the end. Yeah. With the implication being a, a bit of a changing of the guard. These are the three guys that are going to carry this company into the future. Sheamus is still wandering about doing his bland, annoying thing. Uh, the Miz is, has never been less relevant yeah. ever. And Drew is, is in TNA and Evolve and everywhere just having good matches with people. Yeah. And then uh, later in the show, you had the one where Kofi Kingston made his big comeback against Team Orton and Legacy. Yeah, and uh, he won the match. And he won the match. And look where Kofi is. Fair enough, the New Day are entertaining, but they're not exactly going anywhere anytime soon. They might. They're, no. I have, no faith. I have no faith. New Day Rock. I like yeah. the New Day. The New Day are great. Kofi, Xavier, and Big E are fantastic. And they'll be in this Fire Series match, and it'll, uh, they're near bankers for being in that match. If they're not, it's quite silly. Definitely. And they'll be really entertaining. It will, it will be a good match. I, I think that they'll give it some time because there's only seven matches on the card, and it will be entertaining, but like there won't be anything at stake. So, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of just there to prop up the card. But, uh, uh, I'm like, you know, as with most of these matches these guys will do their best to kind of make their statement uh, with it and uh, like that annoys me as well because they had a six man last month on the pre-show where Cesaro looked amazing he, he, he murdered everybody he was awesome he was super awesome and then he's he's not in this show again he got knocked out of the tournament in the quarterfinals by Roman Reigns yeah we'll talk about the tournament in a minute because it's worth featuring that uh, next up is the Brothers of Destruction the Kane and Undertaker the Kane and Undertaker the Kane <laughs> The Kane. Interestingly, uh, Undertaker was originally supposed to be called Kane the Undertaker versus the Wyatt family, Bray Wyatt, and surprisingly, Braun Strowman? Strowman. I, I can never pronounce his name. You, you haven't watched enough WTV to know the pronunciation of Braun Strowman's name? I was going to say Stowman, but I knew that was wrong. I think it, it, it used to be Stowman, didn't it? Yeah. In so, NXT? Or so am I imagining that? This match and this pay-per-view really is to celebrate 25 years of The Undertaker. Yeah, this match annoys me too. Well, before let's before we get cynical, Gary, let's talk about the good part. Okay. Okay. What's the good part? Twenty-five years of the Undertaker. Yeah. In, in a in the wrestling business, which is fickle at the best of times, twenty-five years unbroken service is amazing. Really, he's only been good for ten of them. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I shot that one took, down. It took you ten seconds. Like uh, like nineties Taker. He, I, I'm not gonna say he wasn't a star because he was, but like name a good Taker match from the nineties. There's a handful of them. You know? Yeah, but they relied... Like, it wasn't his fault, I think, in some ways, because they made they kind of uh, handcuffed him with the gimmick. Well, it? yeah, his, his gimmick was that he was a cold stiff who just beat people. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't there to have good matches. Yeah. So it wasn't... I don't think that was his fault. I think he was always capable of it. Yeah, and then early 2000s, he had a handful. You know, you'd yeah. think... Like, the Flair match at WrestleMania is really good. Probably one of his best, I would say. One of Flair's best, or... Yeah. Both, I think. It's one, well, it's one of Flair's best in his WWE run. And definitely one of the best of the streak. Well, uh, compared to... At the time, I think it was. Yeah. But uh, it was eclipsed by the matches that came after it. It was, but at the time, I think it was a peak for, for the streak. Yeah, it was and, either that or the Triple H match, anyway. And it had the double A spinebuster, which was amazing. Yeah, I, I love that spot. That spot where he hits the spinebuster in the near fall with Flair. So you think he's only coming to his own in the last decade? In the last decade, I think since the 2006 return, where he, he was much more focused on just having really good matches at WrestleMania. Yeah. With really good people. I suppose you can go back to 05. Well, no, it was the 05 return. When did he return and face Kane? That was 05. 05 yeah, the 05 return. I suppose there was the Orton match as well. Yeah, which was like apparently like I mean, like it was so, so it was like half of his run was good. <laughs> there, there was like a, a a long time when they talked about Orton beating the streak. So that match was designed around Orton beating the streak. 
So that's probably what made it so good. That it, it, it really felt like he was going to beat the streak. It was the last time the streak felt vulnerable. Yeah. And that includes the match where it was beaten. Yeah. <laughs> the, the big thing about the Brock match was no one thought Brock was actually going to win. Uh, does The Undertaker have the same aura without the streak? He does when he's not wrestling Bray Wyatt. You see, people gave out about the uh, the WrestleMania match. It's like, ah, uh, without the streak, it's nothing, you know. But he was wrestling Bray Wyatt. And the yeah. only person in the history of wrestling who has gotten a really good match out of Bray Wyatt is Daniel Bryan, which was the, um, whatchamacallit, Elimination Chamber match years ago. Yeah. Years ago being last year. That was the last time someone got a really good match out of Bray Wyatt. Yeah, you know, it's a shame. It's a really sh a real shame. Because Bear Wyatt has potential, and like you know, they, they they seem to be earmarking him as almost the new Undertaker in some ways. Yeah, they've even gone directly implicated that he now has magic power. In. He stole. Oh, that was so dumb. He stole. He beat up the Undertaker, and he beat up Kane, so he stole their magic powers. He can strike lightning. Why doesn't he just strike his opponents with lightning and he can pin him after uh, three seconds? Yeah. So. The Undertaker has had a checkered pass. Sometimes he's been kind of held down with a gimmick. Um, I'd say half of his run was worthwhile. Yeah. But... It's my hot take. There's, there's no, half of Undertaker's career is rubbish. There's no doubt that he's... That he's... He's a legend. And he has had an influence on, on many stars as well. And so. has had remarkable longevity. And, you know... Because he's main evented on top in WWE for 25 years straight. Pretty cool. Like, 25 years straight, he's been on top of the card. And he's been respected for like nearly that entire time. He's the time. locker room leader when he's actually there, which isn't that much these days, but more so this year. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the points I wanted to make. Are, uh, uh, basically, are we heading towards an Undertaker endgame? Because he's wrestling more matches now than he has in, in years. Is, is this the farewell tour? Probably. Yeah. Undertaker's retirement is a bit of a hook for Dallas. Yeah. Where yeah. they want to sell 100,000 tickets. You know, especially since it's his home state and everything. Yeah. Um. And you get the kind of Lesnar matches. They blew off the Lesnar storyline. So yeah. that kind of tells you that perhaps they did the rematch. So maybe the, the, he's going out, riding off into his sunset in Death Valley, which is the lowest point in America. There's a fun fact for you. Were you surprised by the inc inclusion of Strowman instead of the other two who are much more accomplished wrestlers? Well, this match would be much better as a match if it was The Undertaker and Kane against uh, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Particularly Harper, because Harper is great. Yeah, but Strowman's the guy they want to push and you can tell why because he's big I suppose the tag team format could help to give him experience and showcase him without exposing him well he's in there with Bray so Bray's hardly the guy to carry the work I know but like The Undertaker and Kane could carry him well yeah. does Kane carry anybody I don't have too if this was Undertaker and Kane if Harper was in there I'd have high hopes for this match because I think Harper would be able to carry this match so you're not enthusiastic about it? Not particularly. Uh, they, they seem to they seem to want to position um, Strowman. There's there's rumblings that they might do him and Undertaker at WrestleMania. And if 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 WrestleMania is going to be Taker's last match, you do want it to be against somebody who can benefit from having beaten Taker in Taker's last match. You know, that's true. And and while Strowman, you can debate whether or not he's that guy. He's at least not John Cena doing it. Yeah. And if it is his last match, it's almost as big as beating the streak, really. Yeah. Say you could, like, like if in storyline, he was the one to put him out for good, like. Yeah, and, like, if you watch the recent new uh, show in Japan where Tenry retired, Okada beat him in the last match. That's the thing that will be on Okada's CV for the rest of his career. Beat Ten Tenry in his last match. Sent him packing out of the wrestling industry at the age of 65. <laughs> the last, yeah, he looked pretty... I saw the picture of him crumpled on the mat. It looked pretty... He got the job done. That's not the point. He's 65 years old. 
So, Garrett, what are your predictions for this one? Can Bray Wyatt afford to lose another big feud? Yes. He's in the Ziggler territory if it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's lost too often that there's nothing to protect anymore. He'll yeah. just he'll just beat someone else up in a month and feud with them and kill their momentum too. So you're predicting an Undertaker and Kane win? People are there to see Undertaker and Kane and get the happy ending. Just give it to them. Like the feud is that they already blew off the feud because they, they beat down Undertaker after uh, Hell in a Cell. They yeah. beat down Kane on the Raw later. And then Undertaker and Kane just came back and beat the living hell out of them on Raw in London. Or for Manchester even. For a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's like they're gone for a few weeks. They showed up again and they just murdered the Wyatt family. I'm annoyed this wasn't made a four and four. Yeah. Because people, two people say stick the Usos in there, stick someone else, give someone the rub of being in there with Undertaker and Kane. Yeah. And make it a more Survivor Series centric match. Yeah. And then you can have Luke Harper in there too to carry in the load. Yeah. It would have more value. But yeah, I, I see your point. Just give somebody a rub instead of just having Undertaker and Kane beat the Wyatts and then they ride off in the. Well, Undertaker rides off into a sunset, probably showing up for WrestleMania again. I doubt Undertaker is going to be a regular between now and WrestleMania. Well, I think, I think uh, going forward, that uh, one of the things I wanted to mention was that. Uh, the fact that he's wrestling more will mean that his retired match will prob probably be sharper, probably a better match because one of the things he suffered from at WrestleMania 30 was that he clearly was not in yeah. the right shape for it. And it, it and 30 was the was 30 wired or less? 30 was wired when streak ended. Oh, but isn't there? Well, part of that was he got concussed in the first two minutes as well. I know, but like that was part of the reason was because he wasn't in the ring hardly, you but, know. But yeah, and he, and. The, the Wyatt match even was only okay because he only wrestles once a year. And, and he was wrestling Bray Wyatt. You know, but I don't the point, hold the point Bray is, Wyatt in a very high regard. I, I know you don't care. This is not about Bray Wyatt. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the point is that the fact that he doesn't wrestle very often means that his matches aren't as good as they could be. But his ma since he's been wrestling consistently, his matches have been getting better and better. But the, both sides of matches were very good, particularly yeah. the second one where they didn't do the utterly terrible finish. The second one was a great match. So I think, we're, 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 you know, it's wise to get him in the ring more just to obviously to get the most out of his retirement, but also He'll to, be make, sharper. to make sure his last match is as good as it can be, you know? Yeah. Uh, if, it's, if it's against Strowman, it's going to be rubbish anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Strowman has wrestled like 15 matches, matches in his career. There's talks of Undertaker versus John Cena. And also I, I do. Like, Undertaker Sting as well. You see, I do Sting just for the novelty. I, I'd be okay with Sting. Yeah. And while Taker and Cena would have a good match, I, I go back to my, it should be someone who can benefit from having the last match with the Undertaker. And if it's Cena, you can guarantee he's going to win it. So if, if I were to do someone else, I'd do Kevin Owens. That's a that's actually a really good beating taker in his last match that'll do Owens some good uh if you're gonna do that i think he should get to the finals of the tournament owens yeah well let's pivot to the tournament let's pivot to the tournament okay um the first semi-final taking place is well i don't know which one is going to take well, place yeah. on the card but roman reigns versus alberto del rio with seb Coulter. you see unlike the second match with kevin owens against Dean ambrose you know exactly who's winning the first one yeah. <laughs> like there 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 you can make arguments for owen or owens or ambrose winning yeah. Yeah, Del Rio's not winning. No. I'll uh, Del Rio go and win just to surprise us. Yeah, Del Rio will win the title and he'll have both titles just yeah. like Seth Rollins did. But uh, speaking of Del Rio's return, have W used him correctly and capitalized properly? No, but Del Rio's not that good either. No. Del Rio fooled us into thinking he was good when he had a remotely interesting character back when he debuted. Yeah. He had a bit of an oeuvre to him. Yeah. You know, the cars and the, the, the kind of winking at the camera and his saying his name and his pyro and his scarves and his announcer. Yeah, he, he actually, he at least kind of had something going for him. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you're interesting enough. I don't mind you. Yeah. But then he just started having the same kind of bland match with everybody night in, night out. 
and since he's returned, he had that strangely terrible match with Cena. Yeah. Like him and Cena have wrestled before and they've had good matches. They've never really had great matches. That return match against Cena was rubbish. This is really short and ended all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like Cena made his comeback. Del, then Del Rio kicked him in the face and pinned him. But, uh, like, well, I suppose, you know, Del Rio is not the focus of this tournament. So, like, you know, it, he's made the semifinal to... Just make the semifinal, basically. No, but, like, that's his rub, basically. He's making the semifinal. He's yeah. made far in the tournament. The US champion is is in the latter stages of the so tournament. So is the IC champ. So. Yeah, so, you know, I suppose that was the design. Plus the, the two best heels they can... The, the only of. two heels they have yeah, left, pretty much. Exactly. So, you know... Like, if, if, you, if you go Owens and Del Rio... Who's the next top heel? Yeah, yeah, but like exactly. Tyler Breeze. <laughs> like when you, but when you saw the brackets for the tournament, you saw it boiling down to this. Yeah, pretty, pretty instantly, pretty easily. The only surprise of the tournament was Kalisto beating Ryback. Yeah, but yeah. You, you saw these were the final four the second you saw the brackets, and that's what made this tournament a little uh, boring. Yeah, but what, like the, there was no, they could have brought an NXT person in or something to make it interesting. But what I will say is that they have done a good job of treating it like it's important as in it, ha- it did invigorate Raw especially the quarterfinal matches yeah all those matches except maybe Kalisto versus Del Rio which fell below my expectations but yeah, but yeah it was a bad match <laughs> the, <laughs> it's just a yeah. bad match but the other three quarterfinals were, were intense and they really got got the sense that these guys know the importance of it and they, they're they're doing everything they can to be the WWE champion so Reigns and Cesaro was a particularly good match as well exactly it had oh and no one's a Neville yeah. Owens and Neville's a great match too it, like it, it had the urgency it you know they presented as important these guys are like they they really ha- like the com- even the commentators didn't mess it up for once they didn't play it down or didn't yeah. talk about all just stupid things during the match they focused on the tournament and how important it was that both these men are, are killing each other for a chance to become the champion uh, so it had, it had good matches they tr- treated it seriously and they didn't do any stupid finishes where two people got eliminated at once and someone got a bye <laughs> love the bye they see uh, where, but where I have a problem with that in the end yeah. is that it all comes down to who's going to side with the authority Basically. that's what it's all built on not yeah. on which of these 16 men are most worthwhile mo- I said worthwhile a lot lately yeah. uh, most worthy of being the world champion who is the best fighter who has fought to everyone on the roster it's like is Dean Ambrose or Roman Reigns going to turn? Yeah, that's what everyone's talking about going into this if, show. If you're looking at SmackDown, like they had both of them posed next to the bed, looking like you know yeah. which one of them is going to do what it takes to get to the, the finish line. So you have a variety, a variety of scenarios. Yeah, uh, Dario's losing. Yeah, <laughs> that's one guarantee. So it's Reigns against either Owens or Ambrose. Like. Uh, well, let's take it uh, first. So we're saying Ro- Roman Reigns is going to win. I won't disagree with that. Guaranteed. That's I, a lock. I hope Reigns can carry Del Rio to something halfway fun. Is this the right time for Reigns, though? You see, if if you, if they delay Reigns past, say, next year's WrestleMania, it's going to get to a stage like Tetsuya Naito, who thankfully is turning his career around at the moment, so it might not be the case in the long run. But when Naito lost to Okada, the ship sailed on Naito. Yeah. At least Naito was a babyface. Whereas I think the same thing will happen to Reigns if you wait past WrestleMania. I mean, they've done a good job of bringing him back and bringing him back around to this point where he's he's ready from WrestleMania. You know, the fans turned on him. They, he's had good matches. He's looked strong. They've kind of brought, got him to the, the position. So, Like, it, he was definitely beating Rollins. Yeah. It's time to pull the trigger, I think. Yeah. But then the question is, if he wrestles Ambrose, does Ambrose turn on him? Does he turn on Ambrose? Does he, then that's that's the, the, the crux of that match. Or if he wrestles Owens, does Ambrose come out and screw him to get revenge and then Owens wins the title? And then, yeah, Ambrose, tur- uh, Ambrose turns heel and then it's about 
kind of Those but like two. where do you go with owens as a champion then no idea who's who's the other top face if, if ambrose and um reigns wrestle each other at tlc who's the other top face they don't have a very deep roster at the moment, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> Ziggler. <laughs> they've got a lot of guys in, down in NXT they could they could call up, but they just don't. They they've never been deeper when it comes to talent. The WWE have never had more talent on their books in terms of like raw potential, raw talent, but they've never had less stars. So, well, Kevin Owens has had a bit of a fall from grace since uh, the Cena series. Uh, uh, rather, rather uh, Owens annoys me too. <laughs> just, just don't get me started on Owens because people will say he's fine and he he largely is fine because he's super talented so yeah. he'll always be fine I don't think they're going to roll the dice on him at this stage no unlikely but he beat Cena he walked in the door and he beat Cena so what do you do that's the peak yeah. you had him peak in the very first match he didn't build from there the next match he lost to Cena the match after that he lost to Cena again do you, do you think this is Ambrose's time, given the fact that Reigns is the favourite and WWE hate that? Hate, WWE hate people thinking that they know what's going to happen. If Ambrose wins, he's turning. Yeah, is he ready, though? He's he's ready, but if he wins, he's turning. That's the thing. He's turning, but his fans would likely embrace it you see, as a face. That's the problem. I, I wouldn't do Ambrose Reigns as a final. Yeah, because difficult. people are going to like Ambrose. And at least at least Owens is a heel. People like Owens too, but at least Owens is a heel. And back when he challenged for the title, people really, really wanted him to win it. Like, yeah. You know, like, like, I could say, like, not on the same level, but he's almost like the new Stone Cold. Like, he's the kind of guy that people try to keep down, but they want to see him. I would have said he's overcome. more the new Daniel Bryan. Yeah. That guy on the undercard who they don't really want to actually get behind, but people like enough that they kind of have to get behind. Yeah. And he's kind of just there doing his thing. He's... So so hanging on to Roman Reigns. So we can so we can move on to the final and make our final predictions. Who do you think is coming out of Kevin Owens and Ambrose? Uh, well, Reigns. <laughs> oh, who's coming out of that match? Yeah. <sighs> They've hinted very uh, Owens. Oh, I'm gonna say Owens. Yeah. So you think it's gonna facilitate? Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the final in a minute. I'm I'm gonna say that. Uh, They've hinted so much at Ambrose. That's the thing. They've hinted so heavily at an Ambrose Reigns final that I don't think they're going to do it. Like everything on Raw for the last like two weeks has been Ambrose and Reigns and Ambrose and Reigns and Ambrose and Reigns. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to do it. The question then becomes, does Ambrose come back out and screw him? Which I think would be stupid. Yeah. Or does Roman just win strong? I think Roman just wins strong. I think Roman beats Del Rio and he beats Owens in good matches and he wins the title. You think so? I hope so. My, uh, I, I've, I've come up with two scenarios I think are likely to happen. Okay. Um, Ambrose reaches the final, mm-hmm. beats Reigns in an upset. Okay. Reigns turns on him as a result. Okay. So Reigns turns heel for a while, becomes a hot heel, which facilitates him becoming a hotter face down the line. You, yeah, Reigns could do with a heel run. <laughs> you know, like... Th- People don't like him, embrace push- it. It would be pushing his big win to the long term, but it wouldn't kill, uh, like, it wouldn't the ship would not have sailed because a strong heel run will facilitate an even stronger face run. Yeah. Or? Or, uh, Reigns wins and Ambrose turns on him. So the, the, the program then is Ambrose Reigns to take us to the Rumble. Yeah. So Ambrose turns out of frustration at losing. Yeah. Or, I actually think that's the best case scenario. Yeah. Reigns wins clean and then turn Ambrose. The problem with turning Ambrose is Ambrose is probably still going to be more popular than Reigns. That's, it's, it's really it's a, it's a it's a tough scenario which I which I could which is why I could see your theory having prominence like like they'd have a huge headache if they had an Ambrose 
strange final but yeah. it's also the final that people want to see as well I think the route to the, the best case where you have the best champion and the, the best case where people are going to respond to him well is Reigns beating Del Rio and Owens yeah so like just just kind of don't complicate it just have it be straightforward yeah Reigns goes over strong yeah and Ambrose loses yeah but like the scenario like as you say it's all about the authority the scenario you you see happening is that like Reigns didn't take the deal so Ambrose does take the deal yeah or Reigns in fact actually took the deal in the end or yeah, it's, yeah it's all about the authority it's all like we we pretty much universally turned to talked about someone turning here yeah unless it's an Owens Reigns final we we assume somebody's gonna turn yeah and I don't like that I wanted to be about people wanting titles mostly because yeah. all the characters are damaged yeah so time will, th- those all three should be good matches though uh time will tell though We're, yeah. i'll be watching live you'll have to watch it i'll be on a bus when you look at the show like ziggler and breeze will be a good match yeah the the, the five on five will be a good match yeah because they, they'll kind of want to kind of you know prove a point for not being promoted basically. yeah and the the three the three tournament matches should be good matches if if reigns can carry del rio because del rio's rubbish and <laughs> the undertaker match should be what what it's designed to be yeah 25 years of undertaker it's just him happy him. happy go over happy happy yeah what do you think of our survivor series predictions do you disagree let us know your picks on twitter at twskk and on facebook at facebook.com forward slash twskk we'd love to hear from you We'll be right back to wrap up the show and tell you about next week's episode. Stay with us. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download every Sunday at soundcloud.com slash the weekend show. Great Scott, Gar. That's our show for another week. Thank you for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. You can find a new episode every Sunday on soundcloud.com forward slash the weekend show. And you can also track us down on the iTunes. If you like the show, why not write us a review on iTunes? It really helps. Does it care? I suppose so. It would really help a brother out. If you don't, we will get her buddy The Undertaker after you. Jimmy Fallon got The Undertaker to Tombstone somebody recently. It was actually bad luck. But we can also get The Undertaker to Tombstone people on command. Yes. We have that kind of entertainment industry reach. We have the urn. If you can't get enough of the weekend show, you can relive snippets of our best bits on YouTube. As always, you can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. And where can they find us on Twitter, Gar? At TWSKK. Next week, we are getting festive with our Christmas cracker, including a 2015 gift guide. So make sure to tune in for that. Our theme music is by the very talented Mr. Dron. And until next time, say goodbye, Gar. Bye-bye. Take it easy, everybody.